Good morning, church. It's good to see all of you. Uh, my name is Kent. I'm the senior pastor, and if you're a guest, we're glad that you're here. Why in the world would I play a Yogi Bear preempt to the sermon today? Well, here's why. I asked the staff, I said, give me a video about temptation. And so, you know who our family pastor is? I guess, you know, he, he's a donut guy, you know what I mean? And so that was all about temptation. Of th- but isn't that the way temptation is? It may not be your, donuts may not be your thing. My wife whispered in my ear, it's chocolate cake, chocolate cake. But we all have temptations, and so we're starting a new series today, and I want to talk about temptation for the next few weeks, because I think, if, uh, if I'm correct, as Christians, we deal with temptation, don't we? Do we deal with temptations or not? And you know what, I, as, a, as a, uh, growing up in church, I don't remember hearing a whole lot about temptations other than just stay away from it. That was about all I got. And so I thought as I prayed about what would be the next sermon series, I was going to talk to about temptation. And uh, so today we're going to do that. Before we get into this, will you pray with me as we start our service this morning? Thank you, Father, for your blessing. Thank you, Lord, for just giving us life. And thank you, Lord, for the message today. Uh, I pray, God, that it resonates in our hearts, that we recognize that we are not alone and that you are with us. I pray for the gift of preaching, and I pray that Holy Spirit will speak into our lives, Lord, and that when temptation comes, we will be better equipped with you and in you to, to face those temptations. And we pray all this in the precious name of Jesus. And everybody together said, amen. I want to read a passage of scripture for, from the book of 1 Corinthians. I'm going to ask them to pull this up. I've heard this passage of scripture my whole life. And I want to read this to you. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is writing this letter to a church in the city called Corinth. And so this is 1 Corinthians, and this is what he says. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is, say it with me, faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, watch this, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. I don't know about you, but for me, temptation kind of comes and blindsides me. And so whenever temptation comes, the first thing in my mind is, there's a way out, go. Usually it's like, well, and I have to think about that. And so I want to remind you that whenever temptation comes in our life, the Bible says, not me, but the Bible says that there's a way out. Paul wrote this passage of scripture, and it's in this chapter. And early up in this chapter, this is verse 13, for the first 12 chapters, he talks about the children of Israel in the Old Testament. The children of Israel were in in bondage, they were in captivity, and God spoke to them and said, I'm going to lead you out of this place, and we're going to the promised land. And they followed him, and Moses took them out, and there was a large number of folks. And guess what happened? They got on their journey, headed toward the promised land. They got out there in the middle of nowhere, and guess what happened? Temptation came, and they started grumbling. Boy, I'm glad we don't do that today on our way to the promised land. They were on their exodus. God was moving, leading them by cloud in the day. They walked through dry land on a sea. They saw miracles happen. They ate food, spiritual water. They come out of a rock, man. Can you imagine? They watched all of this happening. And they get out there, and then they start complaining. And the temptation came to to, to rebel. And as a result, 23,000 people of that group died in the desert. They were tempted to submit to idolatry. You know what idolatry is? It's worshiping things made with our own hands. They were tempted while they were there to to commit sexual sins. They were tempted to go on about their way and grumble and think that they could handle it. Do you see where these things are going? Temptations and the things that happen. 
But I want to tell you something. Here's the good news. As Paul's writing to this church, he tells them about temptation. He says there's a way out. There's always a way out. And I'm so grateful for that. You see, we serve a God that's faithful, just like he was to the children of Israel. He's faithful to us. He's here. He's with you. And so when we have those moments, when we have those moments of temptation and they come, hopefully we won't be like they were. We won't cave in. My prayer today is that as we look at this, that your takeaway is that every time a temptation comes into your life, I want you to remember that there's a way out. That there's a way out that you don't have to submit to that. You don't have to surrender to that. Neither do I. But perhaps in order for us to, to better fight this situation, maybe we should understand what temptation really is. The definition of temptation is a desire to do something wrong or unwise. And temptation often results in sin. Someone said, uh, for example, that when we talk about temptation, whatever you want to put in here, it could be lust, it could be sin. It gets a power by persuading me that I'll be happy if I follow it. The power of all temptation is the prospect that it will make me happier. Now, if you think about this, from the very beginning, we see there was temptation. It was Adam and Eve. They were tempted, weren't they? And so we see that we think when we're tempted, the, the thought is, well, that'll make me happier. I'll feel better if I do this. One of the best descriptions that I've ever heard of temptation was defined like this. Temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience. I'll say that again. Temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience. I want us to look at four truths about uh, temptation today, and I want us to maybe help get a better understanding of this. The first thing that I want you to recognize is that temptation, it's not a sin to be tempted. Now think about that for a second. It's not a sin to be tempted. If it were, Jesus would have sinned. You see, when we look at the Bible in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, we see that, that Jesus was tempted. And the Bible says in this verse, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, and he's referencing sin, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Temptation comes upon us. In other words, Jesus was tempted in all ways like us. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about that, I'm going, wow. The Son of God came into this world and was tempted in all ways like us, yet he was without sin. You see, he was the only begotten Son of God. Jesus transcended time, cultures, place, and customs, races, and language. And he struggled just like we did, but he did not sin. The Lamb of God came into the world. And you know why God sent him? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I wear you guys out with this scripture, this one exactly. But Jesus came into the world that we could be saved. And Jesus was tempted by the devil himself. You think the devil isn't brash? He went to the son of God himself and tempted him. He took stones to him and he said, hey, turn these into bread. And I love what Jesus said. Jesus quoted scripture at him and said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of mouth that comes from God. You want to know how to fight temptation? Get to know your Bible. Get to know Scripture. Jesus used that example. The devil takes Jesus up on the highest spot there and says, Jump off of this thing, and the angels save you if you say you're who you are. Jesus was tempted to do that, but he did not do that. 
He didn't respond to him with that temptation of, of jumping off. The other thing was he was tempted to give him all the kingdoms of the world. He said, I'll give you all of this. Funny thing about it, Jesus already had it. He was the son of God. There was spiritual battle between good and evil with Jesus, and he overcame it. And because he overcame it, we too can fight it. Jesus was tempted. Temptation will happen. It happens in our life. But it's what we do with it that causes the trouble. It's what we do with the temptation when it happens. There's a story in the Old Testament. There was this young boy, and his name was David. And he was a shepherd. And David was out tending his sheep, and there was this, this fight with the Philistines that was going on. And there was this guy, he was a giant, and he was huge. And he wanted to, he called all these people and said, bring out your best and we'll fight this deal. You know, we'll take it on. And Saul was the, was the leader and he didn't want nothing to do with it. And there was this little shepherd boy and his name was David. And David stepped up and said, I'll take him. I'll fight him. And he's got his sling and a, and a rock, a stone. And I love this story because Saul gives him his armor. And he says, here, put this on when you go out there to fight him. And he's like, I can just see this kid with this armor on, can't you? And, you know, that's how we do people sometimes in, in church. We put our armor on them and choke them down. Come on. But God had a plan for him, and he went out there and he took that giant out. And David progressed, and he became a leader of the army. And the next thing you know, he's the king. And he moves into the palace, and things are sailing, man. He's a guy after God's own heart, and things are going well. And one day, one day, old David, he was a musician, wrote poetry, wrote songs. But David was up there on the, on the top of the palace. He was walking on the wall, walking around up there, and he looked around, and he saw this woman over here. And he should have turned his head and went the other way, but he didn't. He was tempted. And he caved into that temptation, and you know what happened? Yeah, it got worse. And then and the situation goes on. He tried to cover it up, cover the situation up. But he fell into temptation. But I want you to look at what happened. If you read Psalms 51, mark this in your Bible or write this down. You want to read what happens? Here's what happens to a person who truly repents. This is what he said after he did this. He says, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing what love and because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins and wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night, and against you and you alone have I sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. You will be praised right for what you say, for your judgment is against me. I was born a sinner. And he goes on, and he says, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. And he goes on to say that God doesn't want to sacrifice for what he wants. There's a broken and contrite spirit, and he comes back. And David comes back, you guys. He gets back up after this mess, and God used him. What does that say to us today? That's saying that there's grace and there's hope. Come on. And so, yes, temptation comes. And when we submit to temptation, things happen. But there can be restoration when there's repentance. David repented when he fell into temptation. He loved his God. He loved him so much. The scripture states a couple of important things. Can you imagine? I imagine David wanted that memory to haunt him. But here's the deal. When we come to Jesus, confess our sins, he hears us. Jesus is not untouchable. Jesus comes when we confess to him. Now, aren't you glad that Jesus comes? See, when we talk about temptation, we recognize that Jesus overcame temptation. He overcame death 
hell and the grave. Why? Because he loves you and he loves me. And so when temptation comes, we can take it to him and leave it there. And God then stands with us in it and raises us up. That's why we celebrated Easter last week. That's what the good news is. You notice when temptation comes, though, that Jesus was tempted, he was tempted in every way, but was without sin. I want to tell you something. You and I, we should remember that we're never above temptation. It's so easy sometimes when we see a brother or a sister fall to temptation, isn't it? That's not Christian. We should love one another and lift each other up. The scripture says that we're to encourage one another. Look in the verse before this, what we read in Corinthians, verse 12. Here's what it says. If you think you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. Because I want to tell you something. We're all in this boat together, folks. As humans, and we need each other, and we should love each other. I don't know about you, but when things are, are that I, I know what my temptations are, I know what my snares are. I don't know maybe all of them, but I know a bunch of them, and I know the ones that are really red hot buttons that I need to stay away from. But here's the thing: when we're talking about this, some questions when we're regarding things in our life that are temptations, we should ask ourselves: What settings are we in that's causing us to sin? We should avoid them. What props do we use to support our sin? We should eliminate them. What people are we with that causes us to sin? We should work that out and avoid them. The idea of believing we are being tempted even goes on to relate to how we treat someone else. In Galatians, Paul says it again. Dear brothers and sisters, if any another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back into line. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. I've heard preachers say, I never do that. And I've seen preachers do that. Don't ever say that. Recognize what our pitfalls are. You know, there's two destructive lies that Satan wants us to believe when it comes to sin. Just once it won't hurt you. That's what he said in the beginning, wasn't it? That's what he said in the beginning. The devil came to Adam and Eve, and he said, hey, that tree over there, he told you, that doesn't really hurt you. Oh, don't worry about it. Just a little. It's a lie. And here's another lie. I want you to get this. I want you to hear this because we all have sinned, okay? And when we sin, another lie that the devil tells you is that you've ruined your life, so you might as well go on and enjoy sinning. That's a lie. I just gave you one illustration, and the book is full of them. This is a hard sermon today, isn't it? Happy New Year. I felt we need to hear this as a church. We live in a world that's full of temptation. We live in a world, we're in spiritual warfare. 35 years ago, I was riding in the car with Diane. We were going down the road. We was over in Illinois, and her grandmother was a little Pentecostal lady, short lady, just classy. And everywhere she went, she carried a Bible. You know, I'm 21, 30 years old, 21, 22 years old, and I'm thinking, wow, you know. She gets in the back seat of my car, and we're driving down the road, and I hear this. I looked over at Diane, and I said, she all right? That's the first time I'd ever met her. I said, she all right? Got her Bible in her hand. She's sitting back there. I said, my Bible's bad. Is there something wrong? Diane said, no, she's just praying. That's why she wept. Whoa. She was praying. I said, later, I said, Grandma. What were you praying for? She said, I was praying for you. (laughs) 
Don't you believe that because you have a past that you don't have a future? Because God can give you a future. God loves you and wants you to walk with him today. That's the story of the gospel, and temptation is real. There's more to the story, but we can overcome temptation. One of the ways that we can overcome that is by increasing and building our belief system, believing what, you know, knowing what we believe, because what you believe, in most cases, will result in our actions, and our actions will have outcomes, right? That's why I harp and carry on around here and have been doing this forever. Get involved in a small group. Get involved in a Bible study. Get involved in a life group. Get involved in a Sunday school class because it's important that we do life together. I'm going to tell you something. A few years back, I was at the lowest point in my life, and I called a buddy of mine. He was 200 miles away, but we had done life together, and it was like we just connected right back up. I called him. I said, man, I'm, I'm in a mess. I'm in a crossroads. This was 30 years ago, and he said, listen to me. God's given you gifts and graces, and until you use them, you're going to keep running. It's <laughs> not what I wanted to hear. But that's what friends do. We speak truth to each other. And if you don't have that life group support that you hang with, people of like faith and belief, because what we believe is how we react and things that we react to, our actions. We just think that's for kids. We're telling. You know, I used to tell my kids, be careful who you hang out with because, you know, you can get in trouble. Now my kids should tell me that, right? I mean, to what happens when we're adults. But here's what the Bible teaches about transforming ourselves. He says in Romans 12, 2, Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of what? Your mind. I went home and saw my grandkids. I got three little uh, boys, grand, grandsons. They're twins, and, and they're awesome. They are awesome. They like to get all over your shoes and wrinkle your clothes and kiss you on the cheek. And you guys know how I love all that. <laughs> but they are awesome. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I got to hang out with them. And they got all these toys. They come around and they go, Pappy, look at this toy. And they got these toys. And, and there's this toy that has an image of, of something. And you start turning this thing. And it, it was a Camaro. It was a yellow Camaro. And you start twisting and turning and pulling these things out. And it becomes a... You guys know what I'm talking about? I forget what you call it. Transformer. There you go. And this thing looks like a superhero. You know, I'm like, wow, that is, you, you got one of these, Danny? How do you know what that is? <laughs> but here's the beautiful thing about this. I use this simple illustration, but here's the thing. When Christ comes into our lives, we may be like this, but we don't stay like that. And we start moving, and God begins to transform by the renewing of our mind. And so the things that we dealt with once, they still may be there. But greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And you can overcome those temptations by the power of Jesus. Here's another thing. This is the third thing about temptation. God will never tempt you. <laughs> Look at this. James 1, verse 13 says, Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own what? Desire. Now, I don't know about you, but some of my desires are rotten sometimes. And some of the things that I think I want, think I need, are really not what God wants me to have. You might be asking, why is God tempting me? Who was the tempter in the Garden of Eden? It was the devil. 
And remember, the definition of temptation is a desire to do something especially unwise or wrong. There's another word that we need to remember, and the word is test. And test is a procedure to establish quality. And sometimes God will test us. But there's a difference between being tested and being tempted. Satan tempts us because he wants us to move backwards. God tests us to move us forward. Sin never makes life better. Never makes life better. It always destroys it. Oh, yeah, it promises satisfaction. It promises satisfaction, but the test is our obedience to God. It tries to. We think, well, it'll make me feel better, you know. I remember growing up, if I thought, if I could just have a, a, an artist's grand piano, Sandy, I always wanted an artist's grand. I had uprights and verticals, and I thought, man, if I could just have one of those artist grand pianos, you know. And there came a time in my life where God dropped one right in my lap. Not literally, but I got one. And it sat in our living room, and I'd go home, and I'd play that piano, and I was, man, it was awesome, and I'd drive Diane nuts. People could hear it outside. We lived in a little ranch house. Got a seven-foot piano sitting in the living room. You could hear it all over the neighborhood. And I'd play that piano, and, I, and you know, but it wasn't long. And don't get me wrong. I liked the piano. But it wasn't long that the piano didn't seem to have the same thing that it had in my life. And isn't that the way it is with things? Things, they come and they go. Temptations. The promises of satisfaction that cost us the obedience to God. We think it'll make us feel better. We say it, oh, it'll make me feel better if I have this. Oh, if I just have, oh, it'll make me feel better. It's going to make me, make, make me feel more special. But it will unravel and lead to destruction from so many things. Now, I'm not preaching against anything in particular. I'm just telling you what our temptations can be and how we can define them. I've heard other people say, well, you know, I can't help it. This is just who I am, the way I act. You think, really? <laughs> you know, God can change us and change uh, things about us. It says The Bible says it leads us to righteousness for his name's sake. And it's not our power that we overcome these temptations. It's in his power. And aren't you glad about that today? Aren't you happy that God gives us the strength to overcome temptation? Martin Luther, the great church father that started the Reformation, he said a Christian needs three things. You need prayer, you need meditation, and you need temptation. You need prayer to talk to God. You need meditation to hear from God, and you need temptation to learn to depend upon God. Interesting. See, every temptation that comes in our life is an invitation to depend on Christ. He will give us a way out. That's what the Word says. Every time you're tempted to do whatever is obedient, disobedient to God, it's an invitation for you and I to depend on Christ. Don't depend on our fleshly nature. When you and I are tempted, God is faithful. Here's the thing, when we do what Martin Luther said, we're talking to God, we're closer to Him when we're studying His Word. And His Word is true. His word is true, and his word leads us. As the word says it, you know, as far as, far as talking about Christ and the relationship, it's true. I remember hearing a story when I was, when I was a kid. I was in college, actually. A buddy of mine uh, grew up in this church when he was a kid. And he said every year they would hold a revival. You remember when we used to have revivals in the church? You know, you know raise your hand and remember what a revival is. Yeah, okay. Make sure you're awake. Okay. Nobody raised their hand. 
And they'd have these revivals, and they'd start off with a couple, maybe they'd have a couple of days, so they'd say, we're going to do a week revival. And then all of a sudden, people would start getting saved. And man, it would break out, and sometimes down home, they'd go for a week, two weeks. They'd even have them in the daytime, and, 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 and it was great, two a day. Can you imagine going to church twice a day? Oh, my gosh. There was a lady that came to this church every year for years when they would have a revival. And they would give the invitation, and I'm talking about believing the word for what it says. And they would give the invitation, this lady would come forward and she would kneel down and she would pray. So the evangelist that was at the church this year, he said to the preacher, the pastor, he said, sir, can you tell me what's going on, buddy? He said, what, what's the deal? She, this is Tuesday night, she's done this twice, why is she over there? He said, she comes every year, every night, she wants to get saved. And she's been doing it how long? For years. Really? And the evangelist said, really? He said, yeah. So he went over there took his Bible, and he knelt down beside the lady, and he said, can I pray with you? She said, yeah. He said, what's, what's, what's your need? She said, I want to be saved. And he said, do you believe the Bible? She said, yes. He read to her 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He said, do you believe that? Oh, she said, I believe it. I believe it. He said, are you saved? So let's start over again. You believe this is the Bible, it's the truth, and it's, it's, it does what it says it'll do, and that Jesus does what he says it'll do. Oh, I believe it, she said. And he quoted that scripture to her again. If we confess our sins, have you confessed your sins? Well, he said, I have not. He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all. That means everything. All the t things that we've been, he's got it, they're gone. Do you, do you believe that? She said, yes. He said, saved and said she looked up and she went I am I am and you see that's how it is it's by faith and yes temptations things have happened in our lives that's the thing about temptation when it comes into our lives if we repent God will forgive us and somebody say amen because I'll tell you everything anything we need is forgiveness in our world and when we get forgiven we're quicker to forgive other people those around us temptation it's real fourth point about temptation is there's always always a way out when I started studying for this I, I got to thinking you know when you preach this now knucklehead you got to remember this because you're telling them that when you get tempted you go down there and look at that new Harley and it's thousand dollars and you think you want that and you got to have that you got to think there's a way out I'm being, I'm being facetious, but my point is this. I want to practice this too. When there's things in my life, when there's temptations, I can remember that there's a way out. Here's the deal. I want you to remember this. Flee temptation. When you walk away from temptation, don't leave a forwarding address. Walk away from it. About 30 years ago, there was this TV show called Hee Haw. I haven't even told you yet you're laughing. Anyway, on this show called Hee Haw, there was a doctor skit they did, and his name was Dr. Campbell. Archie Campbell was the guy. I mean, he was the doctor. And the patient runs in there to this little skit, and he says, Doc, Doc, he said, I broke my arm in two places. And the doc replied to him, well, stay out of those two places. <laughs> now, that's funny. 
Diane, you know, I always give these by her before I give them to you all, and she laughs, and so that's funny. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here, here, and I'm serious about this. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. The takeaway from this is we know where those places are most of the time, and we need to stay away from those places. Every temptation is an invitation to depend on Christ. And when you and I are tempted, God is faithful. He's faithful. And we need to remember that, that he loves you, and that you are supported by a community. This is a community. We're in this together. We're rowing this boat together. And we need each other for community. Because if we're not broken, we'll be broken. And when we're on the break, somebody else is on the mend. And we're here for each other. That's what the church is about. And I'll say this over and over. If you're not in a small group, get connected. The way out of temptation sometimes involves another person that cares about you. Sometimes it involves a person praying for you. Sometimes it involves a person that you just go sit down and talk to. They don't have all the answers, don't even have a clue, but they're listening. They're friends. Isn't that great to have somebody like that in your life? But more importantly, Jesus is listening. Jesus is listening. Here's what you and I need to know as we close. Here's what we need to know. Christ in you, not you and you, because you and you will get kicked around. Christ in you. Christ in you is stronger than the wrong desires in you. What is temptation? Temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. Now listen, when we are weak, we are vulnerable to give in. The good news is that also when we are weak, Christ's strength is made perfect. That's why every temptation is an invitation to depend on Jesus. Jesus in you is more powerful than any wrong desire in you. Let's just let it go. And every time that you and I are tempted, God is inviting us to trust Jesus who will set us free. Because the good news is this, our God is faithful. That's why we come into this place. That's why we believe in him. That's why we sing. That's why we do what we do. People look at us and go, there they go again. They're going up there to that church again. There they go. They live up that way. When you are tempted, when you and I are tempted, he will always give you a way out. And that way out is through his son, Jesus Christ. And by the grace of Jesus, you can be free. Amen? Pray with me. Father, we are grateful that you love us and that you love us so much. That you loved us enough to send your son to die on a cross to set us free. And when temptation comes, Lord, we just call upon you to help us. You give us the choice to do that. Father, give us the grace thank you for this church. I thank you for these people. This community of believers, what a precious, precious community they are. I pray your blessings upon each one of them and upon each of their families that are represented here today. I pray, God, that you put a hedge around us as a church. As we go forward, Lord, that you continue to bless us. I pray, God, that we would, we would keep our eyes and our ears open to 
opportunities to share your love because you loved us. Father, as we go into this time of invitation, I pray that you have your way. I pray that your Holy Spirit speaks. And again, thank you, Lord, for your